Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men Podcast. I am Renee Komen, sitting in the safe house with my co-host, the original Troubled Man with for Trouble Times and future mayor of New Orleans on the phone, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, what's going on, Renee? How are you today? I'm good, man. You sound pretty chipper. Well, um, yeah, I'm all right. I, I uh, you know, it's it's, uh, it's a jazz fest weekend, and uh, one of your of favorite times. It's, it's one of your favorite times yeah, one of, of the my year. Favorite times. There's a lot of people in the neighborhood walking around, going to the jazz fest, and you know, and uh, so it's a good time. People are on the porch, and uh, you know, uh, uh, so it's it's good. It's fun i i i have to deal with it just like every jazz fest i have right. to deal with it so uh well you know so i've been uh, i've been putting the cones out to save my parking okay you know <laughs> I, I i've been uh i've been uh have my front door wide open and when people walk by i scream obscenities at them like i do every year right well that's uh, that's not that's not every day though you don't do that <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, well, there's a lot more people now. There's a well, lot more people now. The only a, thing I, the only thing I'm not, he- I'm not hearing the music in my neighborhood. Huh? I wonder why. I live right near the fairground. Right. I'm not hearing any music, so I don't know what that's about. Yeah, you know, I, I, I actually had heard that they canceled Jazz Fest this year. Ah, that's what it was. Yes. Okay. <laughs> but but I did hear that in spite of Jazz Fest being canceled, that there was still a lot of people roaming around in the neighborhood last weekend. You know, the first what would have been the first weekend of Jazz Fest. There was still people. Yeah. Yeah. And I went around in my car and bullhorn saying, You're all gonna die. <laughs> You're all gonna die. It was ridiculous. How did they receive that that news? Um well, it's not Jazz Fest weekend. I'd say that I do it every weekend. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, um, it was crazy last weekend because because I live right near the fairgrounds, like you know, and mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, it was people were out like it was Jazz Fest. I mean, people walking in packs, people bicycling in packs, people uh, so you know, weird, basically uh, trying to trying to fill a void, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, that, uh, that, you know, it's not going to happen, man. It's not going to happen. You know? So weird, man. Just that, that they would still have that, that rote behavior, you know, the, the impulse to go out there. I mean, the weather's been beautiful. So had we had jazz fest, this would have been a, a lovely one, you know, as, as in terms of the weather. Um, so I understand people want to get out of the house, you know, everybody's got cabin fever, but, but the way that they, that they, uh, all flocked over to that fairgrounds area, I thought was, was really kind of weird. No, it, it was weird. It was like, um, you know, one of those uh, type of, uh, uh, I don't know if they're cults or organizations that believe in something that is so stupid, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, uh, it oh it, it kind of reminded God. me of that in a way. It's like, That's exactly <laughs> what it is. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Manny, Manny hit the nail on the head on the nail. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. But oh, God. It, 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 was very, it was very surreal in many ways because, you know, I'm, I'm locked down, baby. If I don't have to go out, I'm not going out, man. Right. You know, 
in fact, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I, uh, I left my mask at my job the other day. Hmm. So uh, I've been wearing my old jock strap for my football days <laughs> okay. in high school. <laughs> right. How's that working? I kept that as a momentum all these years because uh-huh. I never made the team, but I bought the jock. Okay. You know? <laughs> So, you know, so oh, no self-respecting <laughs> virus will go anywhere near that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you got that right. But um, yeah, it's weird. It's weird that you know it's been canceled, and 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 uh, people are dealing with it their own ways. But it's funny because about three or four weeks ago, I don't think I mentioned this to you, Renee, that um, uh, our mayor uh, Latoya. Mm-hmm. She called me up. She called me up uh, uh, and asking for advice. Really? Okay. Yeah, and you know she got the jazz fest to cancel. That was my idea. Okay. She got French Quarter to cancel. That was my idea. Okay. And she's she's thinking about Mardi Gras next year being canceled. My idea. Well, she's so, getting way uh, ahead. It seems like she's getting way ahead of herself. You know, it's a long time in the future. But you go ahead. Go ahead. I thought they idea. canceled all of next year. Oh, just everything. <laughs> the whole year is canceled. Yeah, they canceled it. canceled the whole year. Hey, I'm down with that, Dave. I am down with that, man. Well, it seems like Latoya is down with that, too, because I, I heard that yesterday that she was saying, yeah, well, uh, Mardi Gras next year. I'm saying, well, well, well how, how do we even know? I mean, two months ago, we would ne- never have been able to predict where we are now. Um, or three months right. ago, you know, four, whatever. But so how do you know what four months from now is going to look like, much less a year from now? Well, she well, has yeah. inside scoop because her brother Michael was the first one to wear one of those masks. Okay. Oh. Okay. All right. Well, you know, speaking well, you know, of... It, go ahead. It's one, it's one day at a time. It really is. It's, this is the biggest 12-step program in the world. Okay. Uh, when do we get to the making amends part? That's the day. That's, that's the day. It seems like anybody we know in the program never gets to that step, that, that step where they, the making of amends, right? Right, the ninth step, yeah. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, yeah, the ninth step. No, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> it's... Um, because it would be too, it would be too real for people, and everyone wants to go to a parade or go to jazz fest. It'd be too real for people to take that ninth step. Okay, but um, you know, uh, but you know, this whole thing going on um, with the uh, with the shutdowns and businesses wanting to open, people are protesting and all that. Um, and and then you know, I, I got my I got my stimulus. You know, I got that stimulus. Really, you got it. Okay, the first person yeah, I've heard got- has that's that's received it. Oh yeah, I received it about a week or ten days ago. Actually, I I, I received it, but wow. my wife is so pissed off because I got the stimulus and I still can't get an erection. Okay, so it's crazy going nuts. <laughs> it didn't do it for you, huh? Yeah, it just didn't do it. I guess. You know, what did you I, say? You still can't win an erection. Excuse me. Um, Anyway, so it's 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 oh. still going on, you know. Um, I, I find it hilarious that um, that people are protesting, wanting to go out and work, and and the people I see protesting are the ones who I think don't really work that much, you know. They just kind of, um, you know, uh, and, and they're wearing masks. They're saying everything's fine. We're wearing masks. Huh? Are they? And, yeah, they're like protesting. Like, let me get back to work, but yet they're wearing a mask. Okay. And then I saw this great protest sign uh, saying, uh, "Jesus is my vaccine." Oh, okay. You know, 
And I thought, good luck with that. Right, you know? right. It's yeah, the snake handlers again. Yeah, yeah. God's going to protect them from from evil. So, uh, so it's okay to do something really stupid. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, well, you know, speaking uh, of so masks, go ahead, Dave. No, that wasn't me. I, I was oh, thinking oh, out loud. Oh. Was, did something come out of my mouth? Oh no, I don't know. No, no. Um, uh, I was thinking about masks. I'm, I'm thinking about uh, like one of those Lone Ranger masks. You know, it just goes over your eyes. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know I have one of those. Yeah, Renee, I have one. Yeah, well, you know, I was thinking like you, like how would that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just just thinking out loud here. Um, I don't know if that would go so well unless you brought Tonto with you. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, that or 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 the walk in front of you. Right. 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 Let's say Kimosabi or something. Sure. And the, or the alternative is is like a gimp mask, you know, with the ball gag. Like, you know, I, I really want to go into Rouse's in Mid-City and do my Where shopping with a gimp mask on. And well, Renee. Yes. Renee, you know, I was, remember a few weeks ago when this all started happening, a month ago, whatever. Right. We were, we were pondering, what are the, uh, the junkies going to do? You know, what, 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 what yeah. do they do? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've noticed, because I do the grocery shopping, I notice where they're hanging out now. They're hanging out at the grocery parking lot. Huh. I don't know if you've been... Spare uh, changing? You know, spare changing, you know, putting the guilt, ran out of gas. Right, that kind of stuff. right. You know, my, my kids are in the car waiting. Oh, and Jesus. these guys, you know, they look, they look like me in the 90s. Right, know? right. Uh, Except less uh, good looking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I think that's where a lot of them are going because a lot, and a lot of them are on bicycles and they're just cruising the parking lot, just hitting up anyone. And well, these guys look like the gutter punks from the quarter mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, you know, and the Mary and stuff like that. So I think that's where they're going. You got to go somewhere. You well, know, you got to go where the people, you got to go where the people are. And, and right. the people that are out there are the ones that go to the supermarket and, you know, that right. kind of thing. Well, they, they must be having a, the, the supply must not have, have dried up if, if they're, you know, I mean, which is the thing that I would think of is, well, it's going to be hard to score, you know, cause, uh, right. but I don't know, maybe not, you know, I guess, I guess you always find a, a way somehow there's always, uh, there's always something. Yeah, well, yeah, there is. It's always something that, I mean, if you need the score, if you need it, you'll get it somehow. You know. Well, right. there's an app. The, an app? There's an app for it, really? An app, yeah. Well, that's you know we've we've actually talked about that before. You know that the that 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 would because I know that that there somebody had an app where like if you got to a certain town and you needed uh, you needed support, you know, you're trying to stay stay clean. You could uh, you know find a friend. Uh, there in your town, they'd come hold your hand and and uh, you know play uh, checkers with you or something, you know, and and keep you off the dope or the booze. But but yeah, the idea yeah. of a of a like uh, find a fiend app, you know, we we talked about before, where you get to a town, you just hit that button, and and uh, you know it it uh, it brings up the lo- local dope fiend who could come and uh, show you the ropes around their local town. Yeah, are, are they? Are you come hook up with them and they rob you? Well, that too. Yeah, that's. There's always you got to think these things through. That's you know. Well, there's an app for everything else, so why not? Sure, 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 sure. 
Well, well, Manny, right. should we uh, should we should we introduce our guest here? Because he's he's uh, sure. he's 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 irrepressible. He's he's got a lot to say. So um, yeah, I can't shut up. No, no, we like that. We like that. Um, so our our guest is a, a guitar player, singer, songwriter with the. Uh, he's he's been in the iconic New Orleans band for uh, I mean, the, the band started in 1978, and uh, so he's he's played with that band for many years and has a bunch of other uh, a bunch of other groups. So his 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 main band was the Radiators, but he also plays now. He has the Raw Oyster Cult, which uh, I think would have been playing at Jazz Fest this year had had it come off. The Radiators famously would close every Jazz Fest for you know year after year for decades. So. Uh, without further ado, the great Mr. Dave Malone. Welcome, Dave. Hi, kids. <laughs> How are you? Good. Oh, we're good, man. We're Thanks good. for having me here. I'm intrigued by this whole Manny story about people still walking to the fairgrounds like they've been summoned by some greater force. Uh-huh. Is that true? Were you you were kidding? No, that's true. Well, no, it was true, man. In fact, you know, um, I use this by the tracks. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, that's always a big uh, place for people. That's a big intersection where people are coming and going, and, and they're serving stuff. You know, that stuff. they've been raking it in last weekend and this weekend because people are treating it like it's. Jazz Fest still going on. In in in, in fact, um, we, wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. They're hanging out together with masks or no masks or throwing that I don't know. to the wind. Or I'm sure some people have masks. I'm sure they're not letting them in the restaurant. I know that they're just oh. serving. To, they're serving to go stuff. But you know that at intersection of I forget the names of the street, but that intersection is a very busy pedestrian area during Jazz Fest. Right. People are coming and going. Mystery Street? No, that's not. Yeah, it's towards Mystery Street. Oh, it's North Lopez, I think. Right, and they have a lot of porch parties and stuff over there usually and bands playing in in the the street. I know that, man. Now, I I know... Go ahead. No, there's a lot of kids selling water and playing the drums on the corner and stuff like that. Is that going on now? Uh, not sure about the I didn't hear water. about any of that. Okay, okay, okay. I didn't hear about any of that. Because those um, kids are missing uh, a bet, man. If there's all people out there, you'd think that there'd be somebody out there, you know, selling them drinks. Well, you know, my daughter's uh, good friend and, and, and Jeff's daughter's good friend, Nico, uh, is a little, he's a drummer, up-and-coming drummer. And last year, uh, he made over like $4,000. Holy moly. That's that's more than that's more than most musicians make during jazz fest. A lemonade stand? <laughs> no, he was just playing. He was just playing his drums in front of his house. Oh, oh, no shit! Wow. He was and he's very good and he's cute. He's a cute little kid. Okay. He's very good at the drums, and he just sat out there every day for both weekends with his bucket that's and great. his drums out there. And he he made, in fact I think. Um, What's one of those local yeah. magazines, uh, Mid City Magazine or New Orleans Magazine, did a story about him, huh. and he made like four thousand dollars or something in the two weeks. Wow, good for him! <laughs> enterprising, cool. enterprising. Good for him! Yeah, hey man, he's got he went out and did it. Yeah, man. Yeah, he did it. He also was drumming naked, though, too. That okay, was all right. Well, that's I knew there was there was another part to it that we were missing out on. Okay, that that now it's it's making more sense, Manny. Um, well, so, so Dave, you know, this being jazz fest, 
you know, the, the, the radiators, uh, well, you know, I was thinking you, you sort of retired a few years ago, but you still play a, a, a handful of dates uh, every year. And, and fortunately, you were able to do your, your annual uh, reunion weekend at, at Tipitina's, which I know is like three sold out nights in a row. And uh, yeah. so I, I, I did some rough calculations in, uh, when, when you guys were first doing and I figured, well, okay, in that one weekend, I think this band makes their nut for the year. <laughs> so it's... Uh, yeah, well, no, I'm, yeah, honestly, between that long weekend, because I usually do some Sunday gig with Raw Oyster Cult or something too, but yeah, no, it's it's very good for us. Our fans are hardcore, and uh, it's a you know not a not expensive ticket, but it's not cheap either. Right. And three nights they're so oversold and blah blah blah. Between that and well, what ordinarily would be this time of year, right, is my main source of income for the year. So. Things got, I'm going to go with interesting because I don't want to say what I'm really thinking. Right, right. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it's weird, man. But, you know, I could bitch and moan about it, but everybody's in the same boat and the boat's goddamn sinking. Well, yeah, <laughs> just just, just keep bailing. Keep bailing, Dave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, weirdness, man. You know, I was uh, about three weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago for four days, I had high fever, 103, uh, body aches, headaches, wasn't uh, congested, but not trouble breathing. So by the time I, well, I thought it was a walk-in clinic, but as I, I discovered that you had to make an, uh, an appointment online, a methadone clinic, and then oh, no. call them <laughs> when you were near them. Uh, and then they wheeled out the little kit with the blood pressure and the temperature and did a flu swab while you're in your car. It mm -hmm. was like McDonald's meets Dr. Kildare. Okay. Uh, and, and then they tell you to go park and they'll come out and tell you what's what, if you can come inside. So by the time I got to my drive-in appointment or whatever we're going to call it, mm -hmm. My symptoms had dissipated, so wow. Uh, I didn't have a fever, and I didn't have the doctor listened to my chest and all that, you know, checked everywhere and blah blah blah. So I didn't have the right symptoms, so he would not write the uh, request for the COVID uh, test. So huh. he sent me home, and I've been home uh, by myself because I don't want to risk infecting my wife or my grandkids or anything. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'm fairly certain I had some degree of this crazy huh. viral thing, but, okay. uh, until I get the test, I don't know. So this, you know, I, I everybody's so confused about all this stuff. Right. It's not like regular gig time when you're just normally confused right right <laughs> this, this is this confusion is confusing that uh the other confusion is just kind of off-putting a little bit this is really scary stuff here but now you're on uh, the mend well, you're feeling better i'm feeling better i'm a diabetic my blood sugar spiked for a few days my doctor over the phone changed my meds around and i was like 
you know, not sleeping well, still not really hmm. that well. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I just don't want to, I just don't know. That's the thing, man. Right. The not knowing thing. Right. Oh, sure. Well, sure. That's, Go ahead. that's what, that's the whole thing about this. It's like, you know, where I work, they're, they're trying to think, well, should we go ahead with plans to open up the campus in the fall? Cause they've already decided not to, the summer's done with, they're not going to even open the campus in the summer. Wow. But the fall is a whole thing because I work at the big university here in town, Dave, and you've got, if they could plant to open the fall in August, the, the peak of hurricane season, <laughs> and you're going to have kids from all over the country, all over the world coming to this university, Ooh, you know, uh, the, do they want that insurance? <laughs> Are they going to pay for I don't think they're going to allow it to happen by then, man. I don't think so either. That's why everything's been canceled for the year. That's why I'm thinking. You were talking about Latoya Jackson. I mean, Latoya. Cantrell. um, Yeah, yeah. Cantrell. That's what was my Michael joke. (laughs) Oh, no, we didn't. We didn't. Sorry. Oh, you just ignored it. No, I didn't even catch it. (laughs) So I'm a a huge fan of both. Yeah. It's a fine line between being responsible and being irresponsible where if you feel strongly about some bit of information, even though it's not been a hundred percent proven, should you tell your public this? Uh, you know, I when she said that uh, you know, Jazz Fest was not gonna reschedule in October and all this stuff and all these festivals were not going to reschedule. You know, I, I was supposed to be playing at the civic last night and I was supposed to be playing at jazz fest this Sunday. WWOZ gratefully played our set from years ago, um, about an, uh, from six to seven today. Today. Really yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I heard about that. That's very cool. Yeah. It was really, it sounded really good. Nice. Um, but you know, I don't know that anyone should be canceling things so far in advance unless they're sure of it. I don't understand the reasoning behind that. It seems like some people say things like they want to be the first one to say it, like, oh, I got the scoop on it or right, some shit. Right, right. She's trying to demonstrate leadership, I think. You know, I'm thinking, well, you know, uh, Latoya, why don't we, uh, you know, deal with a lot of, there's there's a lot of things you could be dealing with now. We still have the, the Hard Rock Hotel is is still there. Uh, you know, an eyesore mm-hmm. embarrassment to, you know, there's 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 plenty of stuff she could be ad- addressing her attention to than, than her trying taxes. to- Her taxes. Her taxes, yes, she could file and, and, and uh, catch up with the IRS, you know, get those liens removed. Um, yeah, well, yeah, that seems obvious to me. And I am, you know, I don't even follow politics because I'm of the strong conviction that anyone who wants to be a politician should not be allowed to. Okay. <laughs> you think we should draft someone? Or somebody else. Maybe those guys that are in a parking lot that you were talking about earlier. Okay. So how come I can never win then, huh? Uh, because you haven't had the right outfit, man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy going nuts. Um, so let me ask you, let's go back to your, um, you know, you guys always do a big weekend at Tipitina's. 
and you say yeah. that's a big money maker for you. What's the occupancy there at Tipitino? Uh Legally, I think it's eight thirty or something like that. Okay. Before hmm. your boy, the fire marshal, starts getting his panties all up in a twist. Okay. So eight hundred. That's 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 a that's big and that's huge, man. Yeah, that's a that's a huge loss in many ways. Well, they yeah, got to yeah. they got to do that this year, but then all these all these gigs that they would have had this time, you know, because yeah, yeah, all of your your other bands, you have uh, Monkey Ranch, you know, it, it plays from time to time, and and I know you go and do like you know the Radiators were were famous for for uh, you know playing the Moms Balls, and uh, and and then there's a whole bunch of offshoot. Uh, like cruise cruise around like, the country like that Mardi Gras. What it was, Renee, is mm-hmm. people that went to Tulane and saw us at Mom's Falls for all those years went back to their hometown. In this case, you know, the crews that were mostly happening all the time were in, around Miami, New York, um, in Minneapolis is one too. I think Minneapolis was the biggest one and still is. Crew oh. of Dads. Okay. And then and then in Colorado with Crew of High Altitude and the Fearless Crew named after the Gilligan's Island theme. It was in San Francisco, and so we had played all those. We had all these gigs that we could just play every year and keep going back. We didn't. It was you know we didn't even really need a booking agent. We just just. Right. would keep doing the same things because we never played the music industry game the way it's supposed to be played anyway. Well, your bandmate, uh, if I recall, uh, who was on the show a while ago, Reggie... Uh, Reggie Scanlon, uh, yes. Yeah, Scanlon, he was saying that there was uh, a time you guys were getting popular and you were playing in New York City and some A&R guy who who had heard your tapes, thought, ah, nothing. I don't see anything here. But then he went to your show and saw the amount of people at your shows in New well, York City. Well, it was the Lone Star, the original Lone Star. Okay, Cafe yeah. On it was 13th somewhere. Street and 5th Avenue. Right, yeah. And this A&R guy said, well, we got to sign these guys. Because yeah. he, he didn't think anything of your music when it was on tape or whatever. And, and, uh, I don't know he said then, that, uh, but okay. Well, <laughs> the, I think the, he said something like that, but he saw well, the crowd. Know, he saw the crowd and the exactly energy. what he said, Manny. But, but I've always said that to really get the radiators, you got to see them live. Mm. And I totally okay. understand that because there was some energy when those, when we're still all five of us still all around. So right. when those five people get together, you know, for good or for bad, uh, whatever we do together, it makes this thing, you know? Right. But also uh, I think, I think it was, I think it was Reggie or maybe, uh, your brother who was on the show that said that, you know, you, your first few albums didn't do well at all. Right. Well, the first two we put out ourselves. Okay. They did very well for not, ha- you know, we started our own record label cause we didn't, that's right. That's what he said. We yeah. started Croker Records, named after the fish, Croker, because, hmm. you know, people started calling our music fishhead music. Um, they sold, they weren't picked up by a big record label or anything. 
but yeah. they sold well at gigs and lo- at the local record store right. and stuff. Right. Um, but then when we got signed to Epic, this guy, Mike Kaplan, the A&R guy, mm. was driving down Fifth Avenue uh, or from the CBS, which Epic CBS building, uh, and saw this line around the block at the Lone Star Cafe and went in and heard us live and he made it happen that we got signed. We did three albums for Epic. Yeah. Nice. I think they put out another couple more with some kind of greatest hits greatest kind of thing. Right. Side, yeah, some crap like that. But but no, no, it was great. It was great. We, we you know, we didn't play the music business game at all. We, you know, I think you that's what you guys would be at the radio station at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. Yeah, okay. And then none of us would show up. Right, right. Well, <laughs> you guys were, were uh, and I, I'm sure that, that this wasn't intentional, but, but, uh, as far as like the taping culture, you know, like the, the, the Grateful Dead has that, that taping culture and there's a certain crossover among Tulane fan, Tulane students who were great Grateful Dead fans. When they found out about the radiators, they're like, oh, okay, this is like, you know, this could be our thing in New Orleans. And they brought yes. that taping culture to it. And that had a lot well, to that's do. the thing, Renee. Mm-hmm. We always say that we were accidentally brilliant mm-hmm. because... <laughs> <laughs> they would they would ask if they could tape our shows. They had these Nakamichi fancy cassette recorders with the mics on the big boom stands, expensive stereo and, and they were, took that very seriously. Right. So they would tape our shows and then when they'd go home to New York or Minneapolis or San Fran or Seattle or wherever, Austin, they bring the cassettes and play it for their friends back home and their siblings. This is more, most important. Mm. And their younger siblings who would be going to Tulane a year or two later. Okay. So we had a constant revolving fan base just from tape trading. Wow. Thing. It was it was amazing. We that that paid off in a big way for us. And it it just all started with, hey, do you mind if we tape? No, we don't care. Right. And that's all it was. That innocent and naive. Yeah. And you still have that, like the, 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 the legion of fans of, of, of rads fans, uh, you know, the, they, they, continue to come back every year you know like those people there i mean a lot of them probably have kids at this point and and you know their their kids yeah. are probably into it you know because they've it's, it's they've crazy. grown up in that culture yeah. and, and uh, they're quite devoted man it's 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 amazing oh we, we are fortunate i mean our fan base they are they're serious and they're dedicated and maybe more importantly most of them uh, in their professional lives, they they're successful. Either have family money or they make good income. So <laughs> family money. They, okay. <laughs> no, I mean honestly. Sure, so, sure. So they can, uh, yeah, they come around. You play with play somewhere. We'll be, we'll be there. Right. And sure enough, they show up, and it's like wow. People fly and, in. And they turn other yeah, yeah. people on. They're passionate about it. That's so great. I guess man. people, other people get turned on to it just to shut the fuck up. <laughs> 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 like, we've been blessed, man. 
honestly. Oh man, it's so cool. It's crazy. Very lucky. Of course, having a band where the main songwriter is Ed Volker is <laughs> that's pretty damn lucky too. Yes, yeah, yeah. Ed, Ed's Ed's uh, quite a talent, man. You know, Ed's a guy that I'd like to get on the podcast, and I asked him one time, and he goes, "Oh man, don't you know the internet is evil, Renee?" <laughs> Said well, <laughs> the internet is what evil, <laughs> evil, evil. Okay. Yeah, he said, don't you know the internet is evil? I was like, well, yeah. What does that have to do with my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, tell him when he tapes it, and you won't be on the internet. You won't be on the internet till later. Right, right, right. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta. You know, once somebody turns me down, it, it, it kind of, uh, it, it. it, it that turns me on. I, I, it, it makes me want to get them even more. So I'm going to, well, gonna... I mean, you know, you played with them enough for an A. You had to have figured out that he's sort of like an innocent contrarian. Sure, sure, sure. But he's, I, I, I love his, he likes to be obstinate. He likes to get a rise out of people. Right. I've been, I've been seeing it happen a million times. I'm standing back there watching somebody try to communicate with them, kind of snickering to myself going, Oh, I can't wait to see what's going to happen here. You know, he, <laughs> and, 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 and then they, he deflates the uh -huh, right. top <laughs> balloon. Uh, and it's, uh, but he's such an interesting dude, man. Yes. Yeah. He's got that very unusual, uh, uh, verbal style. You know, he reminds me of some people I know that have done some prison time and they, they have a certain <laughs> kind of code that they use a certain kind of like everything is like, you know, they'll, they'll say ectomorphs instead of, uh, you know, like a pretty girl, they mean like a skinny girl, but you know, yeah. that's not an Ed thing. That's another friend of mine, but Ed has that, that kind of verbal flair. I'm sure you've, you know, well, because because he's always been, from when he was a little kid, the kid with his nose in a book, yeah. always reading. Okay. He's very, that's where he gets ideas for songs, too. And he's always writing, jotting, you know, turns of phrase mm -hmm. from a book or just or something that inspires a turn of phrase. But, I, you know, I'm all constantly just, baffled that more people don't realize what a really good songwriter he is or maybe they do and i just don't hear about it yeah i think but i think i think they do he doesn't try to sell himself at all in any way yeah he doesn't he not care less what any of us think okay maybe me yeah yeah maybe yeah me, nice I, you know because i've gotten to work with him uh, closely and Man, I really treasure that whole thing in my life. But uh, but it can be difficult. But uh, I, the, the well, I, I I always think uh, you know I'm from Los Angeles. I grew up with a lot of bands, successful bands, and, stuff. and uh, to me, the success comes from uh, a lot of arguing, and disagreements, and things like that. And, and and because you're all you're all different personalities, right? You're all different. Yeah. Yeah, you the know, arguing, so long as you don't let the arguing become the thing and you arrive at a conclusion, the arguing is is productive, helpful. Yes. Yeah. And, and, I think, and in fact, it could maybe the arguing could maybe just be called discussing, but it sounds a hell of a lot like arguing. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. 
you know, I, I think it's it's the struggle. You know, the, like we like to say here, the struggle continues, but uh, we're out there trying to do it still. You know, because it's, it's right. a struggle. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing about it is, if if everyone is open to receive ideas and really think about whether they're going to uh, not acknowledge, but bring that to the whatever you're working on and not just blow it, blow it off because you it's like the kid who, you know, takes his ball and goes home. Uh, right. If you're open to the ideas and you're working with someone else, there's a very good chance that you'll have some input that would never have crossed your mind. Yes, exactly. Yes. It's the, the hive mind, the, the, it's, you know, you have five people trying to hammer it out and, and, uh, and yeah, the, 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 the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Yes. That's right. But listen, listen, let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Um, Dave, um, uh, Reggie, you didn't really need him, did you? (laughs) Um, (laughs) well, I, I mean, you could have done better. You know, longer than I've been playing with any other radiator, so I need it. <laughs> but no, here's the thing about them. You know, I don't want this to sound like what it, exactly what it's going to sound like. <laughs> you know, Ed, it was a main songwriter, and because I'm the other singer, I would get Ed's demos and go through them and see what if there was any stuff I wanted to sing. Mm. Or I talked to Ed about stuff he was singing to suggest changes. So it was he and I directing everything else. And the other guys were fine with that. Yeah. Because writing the songs is, I mean, come on, that's, it's a pain in the ass sometimes. Mm. So, so they, uh, we were very fortunate that Ed was so prolific and then, you know, he'd let me do my thing to stuff or whatever. Right. And and open to what I was doing on my own as well. And the other guys were fine with just learning whatever we brought. Because we'd always get together first, me and Ed. Uh-huh. And then the other guys would come in and learn the stuff. And But it was, not just, you know, if Ed assigned notes for Reggie to play on the bass, that's fine. And if he had an idea for a feel for the drums for Frank to play, that's fine. But it was the way those five people played those things together that made it sound like that. And, and, you know, I played with some really great players and tried to play rad songs and it's good, but it just doesn't sound or feel like the rap. Right. 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 There's something unique about, you know, like, like, uh, you know, people say the, the Beatles were, you know, they're great writers and all that, but the thing that they had first is you go one, two, three, four, and everybody starts playing and you go, now that sounds like something that sounds like, a uh, it has an identity. It's, you know, Paul McCartney goes, yeah, we were a good little combo. And that's what you got to start with. And, you know, like the, the radiators, I know the story, the origin story, you guys were in a bunch of other bands and you got together just to jam one day and immediately you're like, oh, fuck, man, that really sounds like something with, without yeah. having to work it out at all. It just came out, you know, of whole cloth. Well, that's just, We didn't have to say, stop and say, hey, why don't you try this right here uh-huh. or any of that crap? It just was like all of a sudden. And then. Ed was really inspired by that first 
get together. So in the second get together, he threw a test at us. He had a song that he knew is the band that Camille and him and Frank were in at the time called the Rhapsodizers. Rhapsodizers, he knew yes. And couldn't play this song. Mm. And it was a song called Red Dress. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to see what would happen when the five rads got together. So he played it for me a little bit. And then I came up with this riff right here. Okay. And that became the song because he was looking for something for some locomotion for that song to have. Uh-huh. And that's just what I felt. And I started playing it and everybody fell in it. And all of a sudden we had this song, which is really quirky, but we nailed it in no time at all. So that told Ed, okay, this is, I think probably what he was thinking. I don't this think can I work. Know. You know, well, not you, only this can work, but these guys can play any crazy shit that I'll throw at. Right. You know, Dave, uh, hey, so, you, you just so Renee, Renee, Renee. Yes, yes. I think that's the first uh, we've had a, uh, I was, a guest actually play music I was live. Just going to say that. That's, that's that, yes. I was just going to point that out. That's the first time we've ever had anyone play music on the Trouble Men podcast, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Why? And I'm going to cut it out. I'm going to I'm going to cut that out. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you're going to edit that out. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, 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 usually uh, we're doing our show from the ring room, right? Uh, where they don't let instruments in there. But since we're now all quarantined in our, our houses, I think it's something we could tell all our guests now, Renee. Well, bring uh, your instruments. Yeah, I'm not so crazy about well, it. I, mean, I was, I let Dave get away with it right there. But <laughs> well, I mean, listen, man, I had a guitar sitting five feet away from me. There's a guitar <laughs> in the room of my house. Well, Dave, I is get it- an idea. I want to be able to grab it. And I use the voice memo thing on my iPhone, which right. is remarkably good. Yes, like, I know. I know. That's, those things sound good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Dave. I couldn't believe it. It's y- like I do my demos that way. I'm like, yeah. Jesus, I you know that they eight track studio right, you know, 30 right. feet away in my music room. I don't even use it. Well, that's the thing, Dave, about demos. Like, if if a song can sound good in a in a you know very stripped down thing like that, then you know you got something. If you got to build it yeah. and do all kind of stuff to it to make it sound like something, maybe there's not a whole lot there to begin with, you know. Um, right. But how about this? How many times has it happened where you had a demo with a band or whatever where you just wanted through the song, and then you spent the whole rest of your life chasing the feel that you got on the demo and you can never get it oh yeah yeah no tom petty smashed his hand into powder uh after after trying to match the demo for like two days and then going back and and you know they thought they had something he went back and listened to the demo it's like god damn it son of a bitch we didn't (laughs) we didn't get it man (laughs) he almost ended his career this thing that happens that uh, as far in my experience is I can't define what it is, but there's something that makes the demo sound so good. You try it, you're playing what's, what you think are the exact same notes and feel right. and chord changes, and it just doesn't feel the same. It's like, what is going on here? It's, it's that ineffable quality, man. Well, you know, yeah. Dave, we, we always like to take a little break in the podcast and, and make another drink. So uh, I think, Manny, that it's, I, I'm there. I don't know. Yeah, I can't see your drink, time. but... Uh, 
I definitely No, I'm one. ready. I'm ready. And and when we come back, Renee, we're going to introduce something for the next hundred shows that we hope is going to help out the troubled nation, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a, a new sponsor coming online uh, so that we're going to yeah. talk about. So, uh, so nation, go fix yourself another cocktail. Dave, uh, 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 re-up on your drink, and uh, we'll be right back. And we're back. Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I'm Renee Coman. Back with our guest, Mr. Dave Malone. <laughs> And, uh, and Manny, so, you know, we just got our cocktail, and so I'd like to always mention the, the cocktail fund. You know, if you want to support the Trouble Men podcast, there's a link right there. You can, uh, you know, buy Manny a drink. Um, but, but we have, a, we, we have a, a new sponsor, Manny. You want to tell, tell the, the Trouble Nation well, about it? Well, it's funny, you know. Mm-hmm. For the, yeah, we do. We have a, somebody who we love to endorse, and they're endorsing us. Right. Uh, you know, our first hundred show, the only sponsor we had was Loose Change. Right, Loose Change. Loose Change was our only sponsor. Yes. But now um, we've got this thing. Um, a buddy of mine from years back started this company a couple of years ago. He's mm-hmm. a big fan of the podcast. And he developed this uh, uh, a CBD protein bar. Right. Called the, called the Velo Bar. It's the Velo Bar. V-E-L-O-B-A-R. Velo. Right. Uh, it's a CBD uh, protein bar, and it's uh, it's healthy. It fills you up. It calms you down. Right. And and who doesn't need stress relief right now? The whole goddamn world's freaking out. You well, know? you know, I'm a, I'm wound a little tight, Manny. That's, that's that's people say that about me, and it, it's true. You know, so uh, you know, I've I've heard these. I actually was was testing one out i didn't want to eat on the podcast so i i was i was uh eating eating one of the uh the the velo bars that, that you gave me that i was eating the uh the chocolate and 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 nut one and uh it's 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 it tastes great it's got 25 milligrams of cbd per bar it's a perfect dose to take the edge off of whatever you're dealing with yeah it's plant-based protein from healthy ingredients like pumpkin seeds hemp hearts chia seeds Right. And it, it tastes good. I have yet to taste it. I was, to, I was asked to taste it on air, so I'm going to do that right now. Okay. Okay. Well, I gave you a couple of bars, and you tasted the chocolate one. I'm going to take the chocolate one right now. Yeah, and they also uh, have a peanut butter one that, that, I, that I have in front of me. I didn't, it's good that, that uh, one of us ate it ahead of time, and so you can do the chewing, because, you know, people hate when people chew on a podcast, I've, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, but, uh, well, it's very tasty. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Listen, the Troubled Nation can go out right now to their website, mm-hmm. which is, what is their website? It's VeloBarCBD.com. So it's V-E-L-O-B-A-R-C-B-D.com to order. And, and uh, anyone in the Troubled Nation can get 15% off any order if they use the promo code TroubledMen15. TroubledMen15. Yes. Troubleman one five will get you fifty fifteen percent off your order, and it's shipping is free. Shipping so is free. What? Shipping is free? Really? Ship, shipping is free. That's fucking so, crazy, man. Trouble Nation, you need some relief. Try the Velo Bar. Yeah. Plant based protein. It's a superfood ingredient. Pumpkin seeds, hemp hearts, chia seeds. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. Uh, my buddy who lives in New York now. We grew up in L.A. together. I would have never thought he'd come up with this great idea, but he did. It's a CBD protein bar. It's delicious. Check it out. Uh, you, you won't you won't be disappointed. Okay, Manny would Manny would you spell the name of it again and the promo code? 
Okay, it's Velovar, V as in vagina, um, E L O B A R, um, and CBD dot com. CBD dot com. You go to their website. That's where you can order these bars. And right now, fifteen percent off. If you use the discount code TroubledMen15, we'll, TroubledMen15, and we'll put all this in the code. yes, we'll put all this in the show notes so you can just you can find it there. You'll have a link there in the show notes. Uh, so you know, uh, Trouble Nation. You know, once they they really get get uh, into the show, they have a hard time working a pen sometimes. So you know, it's uh, it, <laughs> it, it'll all it'll all be right there for you. Well, this felt good, Manny. I like this. I like this. This uh, you know, I like the feel of this for the show. It's good. It feels feels legit. You know. I I think it's great and i think uh you know like we said a loose change was our sponsor for right. the first hundred shows right the velo bar could be the one for the next hundred shows could maybe be even longer could be could but be nation check it out you'll love it right you're on. gonna love it right on um dave are you into cbd you know i'm i are, are uh, because i i, 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 I go ahead i take i take a little bit of it at night to help me sleep um it has a uh, you know, it depends on, I don't understand the different kinds or what's got what in it. Or mm-hmm. what. I had a kind that, that I, 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 people have, uh, tried to explain it to me and my brain rejects the info. Okay. That might be too much CBD, but anyway. Uh-huh. Well, it well, depends on the dosage. Like anything, it probably depends on the dosage. Right. Yeah. Well, well. A shrimp po' boy, there's no amount that's too much. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, speaking but of shrimp, on, go ahead. Sorry. The CBD, I don't want to be trip dreaming. Right, right, right. Where it seems too real and, uh, yes. And just like the dragon actually catches you in the dream. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of sandwiches, I was going to say, uh, you know, the, the radiators like the, have, have so permeated the, the culture in New Orleans that at Cooter Brown's, they have sandwiches named after you guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. That was our hangout. Me and Ed would go there after gigs when Lee Hughes was a manager of Cooter Brown's and Big Rad's fan and just a friend of ours. And mm-hmm. we would go there late at night or after gigs even and they'd lock the door and we'd just stay in there acting like deviants and right that was our home base in a big way okay. and Larry Larry the owner who's passed away now had started the food and they had the radiators special and the fish head special uh, fish head meaning man, man in case you don't know um, well my recollection is different from other guys in the band, but they're not here. So fuck them. Right. Uh, <laughs> my recollection is, exactly. uh, Ed used to write, Ed Volker used to write a music column in leisure, uh, wavelength uh-huh. magazine way back. Maybe before you were even here and I'm not sure. I've been here forever, man. No, I'm born here. No, I was, I was born oh, at Baptist hospital. Okay. Fuck. Yes. My, my, my family's been here since 1798. No, so we, we didn't oh, come. Okay. We didn't, so, well, a wavelength wasn't around then. No, no, but I remember wavelength. Yes, yes. And Leisure Landing Record Store was also not around when your family got here. No, no, I do uh, remember Leisure Landing as well, though. Okay, so Ed wrote a 
music column in his kind of spaced out Captain Beefheart kind of meets John Steinbeck meets Kurt Vonnegut kind of way of writing. Right. Um, and his nom de plume, or if that's the correct phrase, sure. Eddie's from LA. He probably knows that. Um, was Zeke Fishhead. Right. So we all still call him Zeke. I don't know if you do, Renee. I don't. Cause you know, I'm not on those kind of terms with that. I, I you know, I try to maintain a, a, a an employer employee relationship with, with Ed. <laughs> Well, then you have to learn how to say, listen here, motherfucker. <laughs> okay. No, I'm the employee. <laughs> anyway. I know. Okay. That's what I meant. All right. No. So anyway, so we still call him Zeke. Uh-huh. Uh, and so at around that time, you know, we, and then we got on Epic Records and nobody knew what to call our music because it kind of was and is like a mixture between... Frank Zappa and Little Feet and Captain Beefheart and the Rolling Stones. Okay. What, wow. what I mean, that may be. Right. So they, not knowing what to call it, we always just called it rock music, you know, mm-hmm, whatever. Sure. But it, it be, I think because Ed wrote columns as Zeke Fishhead, that they started calling it, or we started calling it, someone started calling it Fishhead music. So that's the other sandwich at Cooters, the ah, Fishhead Okay. Special. Okay. So Damn, Larry, that was long-winded. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well you know, so, let go me ahead, ask Manny. Let question. Wait. When did Larry die? A, a few years ago. Uh, okay, because when I first moved here from Los Angeles, I was living near the river bend. Oh, and wow. the only And the only place I could see my, uh, my, my, my Raiders, my Oakland Raiders play, was at Cooter Browns. Ah. That's the only place. Because, you know, he had all the games on, on all yeah. the TVs, Larry. And they would put us Raider fans, there's like five or six of us, they'd put us in the back bar. You know that back bar of Cooter Brown? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They'd put us there. They'd say, Oh, Raider fans, you guys go back there. That's where you belong, you know, basically. <laughs> but I got you know, and Larry would be in the front bar at, at his seat. You know, he had that one stool of his that he'd always be at. Oh yeah. And I'll never forget this is a, after a, a, a few, a couple of football seasons, you know, a lot of Tulane kids would go there and watch their favorite teams play because they come from all over the country. And I'll never forget, there's a couple of booths by the back bar where you, people can eat and drink and stuff like that. And some Tulane kid had his parents in town, apparently. And uh, they were sitting there at the back booth in the back bar area and apparently this Tulane kid uh, became friends with Larry somehow over okay. the years of, of going there. So he grabs Larry, and I notice it because it's a commercial during my game because I'm at the bar, the basketball. He grabs Larry to introduce Larry to his parents. And, you know, Larry was a character. You know, he, uh, he could fly off the handle in a split second. Um, so this kid says, mom, dad, I I'm watching this whole thing going on. Mom, dad, this is Larry. He owns this place. And Larry laid into their, his parents, like they were the biggest assholes ever. (laughs) I've seen him do that for no apparent reason. Right. He he was just like, Oh, I heard of you. You're that whore from new England. (laughs) Jesus. And he went off and this poor kid, 
you know, was like, uh, he didn't know what to say. Then Larry took off. And the funniest thing was, was like 20 minutes later, Larry comes up and just starts talking to him like he's never met him before. Like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You know, you got a great kid here. <laughs> I've seen that sort of thing happen, Manny. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, and my I, brother, my brother who lived here since, who moved here in the early 80s, because uh, he was an offshore guy, got to know Larry over the years. And he said the same thing. He would just do things like that. He was, he was the best and the worst of times. Yeah, he was. Uh, Renee, do you remember Jed Palmer from oh, Jed? Absolutely. No. Yeah, I knew. I knew. Jed. I mean, sure. Absolutely. So, I saw him pull a gun out of his desk and put it on the of, top of the, get, the the desk while you were trying to settle with him. It's like, okay, well, I guess we're done here, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was friends with good friends with Larry, and they were very similar in this kind of no, they didn't have any kind of gauge of not being dicks. <laughs> from, from zero to dick but, in, in under two seconds. Yeah, and then come back around and be sweet like Mother Teresa sweet. Yeah. Right. Which was confusing. And I think more often than not, had people thinking that oh well he was just kidding before right he wasn't right. kidding yeah no <laughs> but he wasn't kidding right no. <laughs> the interesting dudes man but I, I've often thought about having a a place that serves massive amounts of alcohol in New Orleans maybe that was like a prerequisite sort of behavioral thing yeah. Or something that came in handy, at least. You got to be able to scare your patrons when when the time is right, you know. Yes. Or yeah, let them know that they haven't figured you out. Right. And you may stay. He, they may stab you in the eyeball at any second. <laughs> right, right, right. Got to got to walk on eggshells. Well, you know the, that's. Yes, so that, so it's like a healthy fear. Sure, sure. No, it's yes, respect. Uh, yes, as, as they would say. Yeah, um, well, you know, that reminds me. It's like I, I know the radiators, you know, uh, you, you guys have had a, a long career, but there were there were days in the, you know, in the earlier part where, you know, you're talking about like uh, locking the door to the bar and staying in there all night. Um, you guys would really, uh, really uh, burn it down, man. You guys were, were known for uh, for having healthy appetites and. Uh, you know, I, 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 it's 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 miraculous that everybody, you know, the, the five guys made it through uns relatively unscathed. I'm gonna say you have no idea. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's all I'm gonna say. Okay, because you know, odds are, how many Keith Richards do you have in one band? Right. Because we, yeah, we were we tempted fate. Like you wouldn't believe and did crazy stuff and here were five of us still around. I'm going to knock on wood. Yeah, something. man. Yeah. And and like you guys go with the, those mom's balls, which, you know, now it's a lot of the same people, you know, they're, some of them are, are kind of, of, you know, have mellowed with age, I guess you could say, but, but going back to the, the beginnings of that, those, those were wild affairs, man. Oh my God. Yeah, well, you know, the the band, the pre-Rads band, the Rhapsodizers, mm -hmm. played the first few Moms Balls, which, Manny, I don't know if you know, it stands for Mystic Orphans and Misfits. And uh. 
it was largely people that came from the famous Wednesday night gigs on Elysian Fields at this pizza joint near UNO called uh, Luigi's. Luigi's, the Ra- yes. The played that, and then the Radiators inherited that gig. And Wesley Schmidt, who ended up being the talent, the manager and talent buyer for Snug Harbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Alan Langhoff, who all those people would hang out that ended up at the Dream Palace, which Alan and his wife opened. And that became our little clubhouse, too. Right. I remember kind that. Of, kind of more so than Tipitina. We played at Tipitina's even before it was Tipitina's. But our, our Dream Palace was more... I mean, we love Tipitina's. It'll always be the New Orleans Music Church, as far as we're concerned. Mm. But the Dream Palace was was like an extension of Luigi's because that was our... We had the rehearsals in Ed's garage. He lived like two minutes from Luigi's. Okay. And then we had the live rehearsals in front of the knuckleheads at, at Luigi's. Uh-huh. Uh, and they didn't, they encouraged us to do anything, and we did do anything. Right. Well, so talking about the Dream Palace, in those days, people don't understand what Frenchman Street was like at that time. Um, it was quite different than it is now. You want to, t- to give the give the Trouble Nation an idea of you know the Dream Palace there on Frenchman Street in in the uh, you know the 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 eighties. Well, at the time, it was only for as far as music goes, it was only the Dream Palace, and we were sort of the 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 rulers of the Dream Palace scene, in, in a big way, not to sound all cocky about it, but and then there was. Snug Harbor, um, right? Snug Harbor. And that was it. In the next block. And that was it. And then yes. later on, the place on the corner became Cafe Istanbul, some other things. Or Cafe Brazil Fort was Davis across the street, right? Around the corner, up on a third floor walk-up apartment. And we'd go there on our breaks from the Dream Palace. But we played, we started 11, and then it became a joke that we started at 11-11, which people still say to this day. Mm-hmm. And we do three-hour and 20-minute sets or wow. whatever. Gee whiz. Uh, but, but, you know, there was only like these little kind of curio, not curio, curious shops uh, all along that first block of Frenchmen from uh, Decatur. Right. They had print uh, shops on the street. They said, you know, industry of different types. Yes. Yeah. And it was like there was a kind of a bondage gift shop <laughs> next door to the Dream Palace where we were just hanging out out front, either getting ready to start the first set or on break. And we look in the window and there's like a, a five gallon container of sex lube called <laughs> called hot lube okay so we go back in that was supposed to be one of our sponsors but they backed out yeah 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 they, they <laughs> said the trouble men podcast was too nasty for him <laughs> yeah probably so so we went in and started a uh a, a groove going on and i somebody played a rip me or ed or somebody mm. And that became the song Hot Lube, which became a rad song. Nice. So we were inspired by all kind of stuff. Plus, we were lucky that we got to see that kind of end of the R&B, uh, the New Orleans R&B people when they were 
when they had finally come to the realization that they were as famous as they were going to get, and I don't mean to sound like an asshole here, but it, you know, music business in New Orleans was not really that together. Right. The recording was fine, but the business aspect, right. The marketing, all of that. Yes. Yeah. And managers and promoters and booking agents and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, we got, we were Earl King's band. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. But the great Earl King, uh, trick bag and, you know, so many great songs and, and you guys were some lonely, lonely nights. Yes. Yeah. So we, we were Earl King's band. I don't know if he was playing much at all. I know he had a, like a haircut shop slash record store on Dryad Street. Hmm, okay. Um, and probably through some kind of affiliation with the 14 guys and gals that originally opened up Tipitina's, that was a bunch of Tulane students who were looking for a place to throw parties so they could dance. And uh-huh. they wanted to dance specifically to fest. To Professor Longhair, right. Henry Roland Hurd. Right. And they found the 501 Napoleon Club, which was like kind of a redneck bar. Uh-huh. And they started throwing dances there. And then Steve Armbruster, one of the main investors in the original Tipitinas, had these parties at his house on Carrollton or out by the waterworks uh, off Jeff Highway right before the Paris line. Right. Yeah, yeah. And really got the ball rolling for... Uh, I, you know, I'm sure Irma was still working regularly, mm-hmm. and I, I, I don't think, and, and Alan was too. Right, we're recording stuff at Sea Saint, and the meters were a big deal with that. But the older R&B guys, you know, we got to hang out with them. I mean, I got to play with Fest not as much as Reggie did. I only got to play with him a couple times because, truthfully, I was terrified because he was like music god to me i was like sure you know i i was like dude i don't know you know anyway we, it, was, it was an honor and i i i love we all loved them so we got to hang out with them and become earl king's band and nice. probably through the summer two for you which was the 14 people that started to patina mm-hmm. um so the first time we ever went to new york actually was supposed to be us backing up Earl King and the opening band was from Austin, a band called the Cobras, uh, whose guitar player was Stevie Ray Vaughan. Right. And uh played- never heard of them. <laughs> yeah. So we were flew up there, you know, the band, uh, and probably one roadie or somebody. Um and got there, and I don't even remember the name of the club, but uh, couldn't find Earl. We're at Soundcheck, no Earl. Finally, somebody reaches him on the phone, and uh, Bill Cat was our manager. Maybe it was him. Okay. Um, reached Earl King, uh, probably at the haircut record store. In New Orleans. Reached and, him in New Orleans. In New Orleans. Right. And Earl. Earl we're at soundcheck in New York. You're supposed to be here. Oh yeah, man. It was a Friday, the 13th. I, I, I can't fly on a Friday. the 13th. <laughs> so that was it. So we're up there. First time ever playing in New York. 
And we played the show because Ed knew all of Earl's songs anyway. Oh, okay. I don't know if the crowd, the Cobras knew, I'm sure, but right. I don't think the crowd was even sure that Ed wasn't Ed, uh, Earl King. Earl King. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. So, yeah, Earl was a trip, man. What a sweetheart. Great player. He played these odd chords that me, me and Camille kind of cop from him. Okay. And, but he was his singing and his songwriting is what I really love. Right. I, you know, his guitar playing was a little, it was out there. Yeah. But, yeah. It was unconventional. It, yeah. 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 And you know, a lot of clams he would hit, but okay. he'd make it work. But, but his singing and songwriting and his rhythm playing was holy shit. So anyway, I don't even know so what I'm going to talk. Let about, me ask so. you, let me ask you a question, man. Okay, you guys hit it big, you know, you're selling stuff out, but yet I'm sure the record company wants you to go out on tour and open for bigger acts. Am I correct? Yeah. And, and if, so who are some of the bigger acts you open for, like, around the world? Well, we thought we were, we would say no more often than not, unless we thought okay. it was a good fit. With all right. the brothers and things like that. And, and, uh-huh. and you guys were tight. I know you're good friends with all those little feet guys. And, yeah. uh, yeah. well, they, they were, they, they were, you know, Lowell George had died. Right. And, uh, and they kind of broke up for a long time. So we weren't opening for them, but people liked that. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, when I said we didn't play the music game, the way it's supposed to be played. Yeah. We, would just go out and play our own gigs because you could fill up because you could sell out uh, clubs all around the country without doing that. You didn't, you didn't like you're saying, you didn't have to play the game. You didn't have to be on a a bigger bands uh, uh, bill because you, you had, you had all these built in fans that were rabid for you all around the country. We we were, yeah, we were lucky. I mean, we went to a, a few years, you know, everybody piling in a van with the gear and the suitcases and that, but that, you know, we got out of that kind of level of touring pretty quickly. Actually, you went from a van to a Winnebago is basically what you're saying uh, to a tour bus, dude. Oh, okay. Okay. Don't you miss the van? I, I, I always hated the tour bus personally. <laughs> I love the van. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I, I, <laughs> yeah. Not me, man. I could go, in the tour bus, I could just go hide somewhere, you know? Yeah, but you're trapped on there. I always love the the van because you just drive during the daytime and then you get a hotel room and you close the door and you have at least six well, hours true. by yourself. <laughs> that's true. That's, well, you know, Renee, we, we shared rooms for a while. Yeah, yeah. But pretty much right away, we figured out that if we're going to not kill each other. Right we need to bite the bullet and everybody get their own room. Yes. Yes. People say with the iguanas, they're like, how do you stay together for 30 years? And we go separate rooms, man. (laughs) That's absolutely a thing. (laughs) I mean, we did share rooms for, for many years, but it's been a long time since that was going on. Yeah, no, no, that, you know, we, everybody that that's what kept us being able to play. We were very fortunate. Anyway, I'm rambling on here. No, we like it. We like it. Well, Dave, um, you know, this is starting to seem like a podcast here, and I would, I would say, uh, do you have any dates coming up? But 
I know what the answer is. Uh, let me check my calendar. Go ahead. Go ahead. See, see, what, see if you... Oh, I don't have to get up to check it. Okay. It's empty. Oh, okay. No, all right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, not only the, all the jazz fest stuff, but I was, uh, you know, I play as many raw oyster cult gigs as I want to play. Uh huh. And then the rads only play in January reunion three nights and during jazz fest stuff. So that's not happening. Right. Um, but I also have been fortunate enough to be on this resurrected, uh, tour with amazing musicians called the last wall, the last waltz. Yes. You were on that. And that was what a fucking fantastic lineup. You had Terrence Higgins playing drums on that. Like, like Robbie Robertson was showing up and doing some of them, man, that, that made me tear. I mean, I was really sad to, to see that that, uh, you know, I mean, everything stopped, but I was like, God, what a great thing to be doing, man. And, and dude, let me tell you something, man, that band with all the horns of Mark Mullins and Matt Perrine and Bobby right. Campo from LaRue right. and, uh, Ward Smith on, on reeds. Yeah, man. And then me on guitar, Cyril on percussion and vocals. Uh, Don was on bass, Terrence Higgins, John Modesky, Warren Haynes, oh, wow. <laughs> Jamie, uh, I went blank on Jamie's name. Jesus Christ. I'm tired. Uh, Curtis. No. Uh, <laughs> um, and then Good guess, Bob though. Margolin. Bob Margolin. Oh, okay. And, and then Lucas Nelson, Willie's son was on the last one. And he really brought a, real cool element to the whole big deal. And then Michael McDonald for some and oh, Jesus. Darth Hudson for some and Taj Mahal for some. And Holy it, cow. listen, man, I've, that's been, I've been very fortunate to be on that. It's like really amazingly good, man. Such great music to play and, and what a great band. And I'm sure you guys were selling out one, one venue after another, man. It was, yeah, it was fantastic. That sounds like a crowded tour bus. Yeah. Huh? So it sounds like a crowded crowded tour bus. There was like eight tour buses for that thing. Fuck, man. And, and you know, eight or nine trucks. It was a big production. Wow. Really cool. So anyway, that was supposed to be about 15 more gigs at the end of the year, which I don't know are going to happen or not October, November. Right. Right. Uh, y'all were probably not. Were y'all going international with that? Was that, uh, like overseas dates as well, or just the U S well, no, we mostly, uh, in the continental U S okay. And, and we were supposed to go do a Canada run, which fell through. Uh, but so far it's been all over the U S and I mean all over, Right. but it's just such a treat to play with those guys. I'll bet, man. Uh, you know, t- I, Terrence is uh, the Terrence Higgins. I, I just started playing some dates with, man. Holy cow, man! Can how great does that that guy play, man? It's just it makes it it's it makes it easy as can be. Every song sounds like he's playing a record. You know, it's like yes, this is what music is supposed to sound like. Nobody's trying too hard. It just sounds natural. It sounds just like what should be there. Not an extra note is play it's just you know i don't i don't know how to define it like that except that 
you listen to what he's doing, it's easy to play to. Yes. And it sounds like what he's doing is exactly right for the song that you're playing. Yep. So it's like, wow, this is shit. I can't even fuck up if I wanted to. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. It's oh, really, man. really, I'm so fortunate. But anyway. Yeah, so well. Guys, uh, yeah. I, I thank you for inviting me. Is uh, there any other thing you want me to answer in my short, long-winded way? Um, I don't know, man. Are you, uh, that, that, that seems like a podcast, huh? Yeah, I think we got it down. I just want you to uh, remember the Velo Bar. Yes. And get out there and order down, one. VeloBarCBD.com. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, now we got Dave as a convert. Yeah. Yeah. And enter the promo code 12 then 15 and get 15% off and free shipping. All right. All Are right. you getting fabulous, man? I'm to get 150% off. Sure, well, sure. Yeah, yeah. D- just put we'll it in work, 10 we'll times. Up, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, listen, man. This has been a treat. I hope I didn't yak your ears off too bad. No, no, no it's great. No, no. yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. You know, Dave, and and uh, you know, I'm sure all this will will uh, work itself out. You know, the the COVID's gonna gonna recede. Uh, apparently, it, it, when we get to April, it's gonna disappear. It's like a miracle. It's gonna, when the as soon as the heat of April well, gets here, it's it's gonna be gone like a miracle. Um, but well, I uh, hope you're right, man. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, Renee. Uh huh. I, you know, I haven't gotten to play with you that often, but I really enjoy playing with you, dude. Oh man, I had a blast playing with you at Tommy's party, man. It was, uh, I, I, I'll fucking show up anywhere and play with you, man. Yeah, again, it was just like so easy, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I agree. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready anytime, man. I'll come over. Well, right now. Uh, that will definitely happen. I promise. Nice. Well, look, let me go. I'm gonna. Yeah, well, Dave, hold on a second, because you know we we always like to sign off. We have a certain sign off. We we say, uh, you know, uh, uh, in the troubled nation, we like to say, trouble never ends, but the struggle continues. Good night. Good night. Be an angel. Be an angel and wake up Everything is shaking Shaking all loose Be an angel Everything is shaking Everything is breaking Breaking all through Time to rise Rise and shine
an angel and rise up, rise up shining like a Roosevelt down. Be an angel, rise up shining like a diamond up in the sky. Time to rise, rise and shine, oh little devil, little devil of mine. We got lost to be found. Time to rise, rise and shine. 